Good morning, everyone. Welcome to everyone. God bless you. Open your Bibles to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. If you don't have a Bible with you, reach into the pew rack in front of you there and take one of the Bibles uh, that is made available for you. If you do not have a Bible, can't afford a Bible, you can have that Bible. Take it with you. We can replace it. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. We want you following along this morning in Psalm 16. Perry, Oklahoma, we love you. God bless you guys. Franklin Campus, we love you more than anything. Uh, We love you so much. Psalm 16. It's just a beautiful psalm. It's a psalm that is often read after Easter because it has a a rather beautiful verse of resurrection in in verse 10. I think verse 11 is one of the most beautiful verses in all of Scripture. And I encourage you this week, if you would, uh, you'll see that Psalm 1611 is printed on the front of the order of worship if you're at Woodburn Campus this morning. Psalm 1611. I want to encourage you to take this verse and memorize it. Let this verse become part of your heart. In your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That is a verse that will nourish and feed your spirit. Memorize that verse. Pray that verse back to the Lord. Make that verse part of the way you worship the Lord this week. Psalm 1611. Uh, On the order of worship, it's out of the King James. I'm going all King James on you uh, in that verse because it's beautiful out of the King James. Psalm 16. uh, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, Listen to how the word of the Lord can speak to you this morning from Psalm 16. This is good stuff. The psalm begins, watch over me or keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Psalm 16. Take your seats. In a recent survey of radio listeners and disc jockeys, they were trying to discover what would be the number one rock and roll song of all time. Uh, What do you think that would be? Born to be wild? No, no. Uh, Maybe for some of you. uh, but, but, But no, it made the list, but not number one. What do you think number one would be? It's kind of an older song. Rolling Stones. Dun, 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 dun. What do you think? Can't get no satisfaction. Yeah, number one song of all time, according to one survey, I can't get no satisfaction. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Do you know the song? Anybody, anybody old enough uh, to know this song? Yeah, actually, a lot of you th- that are acting like you don't know it know it. Uh, I, I know that you do. Can't get no satisfaction. It's interesting that that would be the number one rock and roll song of all time. I don't know exactly what that is supposed to express 
for the human soul, but apparently it expresses something that, that a lot of people relate to. Can't get no satisfaction, though I try, yes I try, I, I can't get no satisfaction. Exactly what is satisfaction and why can't we get none? That's my question today. What is satisfaction and why can't we get none? If you look in the dictionary, the, 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 the Webster definition of satisfaction would be the fulfillment of wants or desires. The fulfillment of wants and desires. And honestly, we are created with many, many wants and desires. No way to get around it. I and you have a lot of wants and desires, and satisfaction has to do with finding fulfillment, finding some sort of answer to the needs and desires that we have within us. Now, honestly, I experience that all the time. Even though the song says, I can't get no satisfaction, honestly, I experience satisfaction. Yesterday, I was working in the yard. It was a beautiful day. It was hot in Woodburn, Kentucky. I, I was in the yard. I was mowing. I was trimming. I was moving daylilies. I was working like a crazy man. All of a sudden, my son comes out. My teenager probably ought to have been working himself. He comes out with a fudsicle. Just walking, walking down the driveway with a fudsicle. Man, as soon as I saw that fudsicle in his lips, what did I think? Besides, he ought to be working. I'm thinking, I got to have a fudsicle. I mean, I nearly tackled him for it. I, I would have hurt you for a fudsicle. Luckily, there are plenty in our freezer. I went and I, I wanted it so bad. I unwrapped that fudsicle. I started walking down the driveway with my son. My goodness, that was the best fudsicle I've ever had in my whole life. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, man, it was so good. It was a fulfilled desire. Okay, so you can't truly say that, that there is no satisfaction. I get satisfaction all the time. I have needs, I have desires, and I find ways to fulfill them. So what's our problem? Why is it that we would say that we can't get no satisfaction when honestly we have needs and desires satisfied every single day? What's our problem? Well, our desires come back. I'm telling you, they make fudgesicles smaller these days than they used to. And three bites, I was down to the stick. And I'm thinking, what in the world is up with fudgesicles these days? This thing used to last me all day. When I was a kid, it would run down my arm. You understand? The desire came back. That's the thing with our needs and our desires. Even if you can satisfy them, every kind of satisfaction that we experience on earth, it's temporary. It's always temporary satisfaction because our desires, our needs, they always return. They always come back. We always need more. It's, it's not only that. Honestly, my needs and desires change. They change over time. What used to satisfy me doesn't satisfy me anymore. And, and I would say that you're the same way. What used to satisfy no longer satisfies me. What made me very, very happy when I was a seventh grader or, or in middle school, it was no longer the things that I want in my life. What, what I used to really desire when I was a high school junior or senior, these are things no longer that I even think about anymore. My desires, my needs, they change. So how is it that we could possibly find satisfaction when we are these creatures with such desires, desires that tend to change, desires that always return, and when they come back, we want more and more and more. 
Is there any way to find ultimate satisfaction? Is there any way to find some source for my needs and desires that honestly would fulfill them in a way where I would no longer always be wanting and needing? Is there ultimate satisfaction, not temporary, but but lasting and, and deep? Psalm 16 says, yes. Psalm 16 says, yes, look at verse 2, the last part of verse 2. Every good thing I have comes from you. What the psalmist says there is, apart from you, I have no good thing. Apart from you, I have no good thing. The psalmist is talking about God, talking about the Lord. And in his life with the Lord, he has discovered something very, very important. Every good thing comes from God. Not some good things, not a lot of good things. Every good thing comes from the Lord. Do you understand that in your life? What we're saying is that in the world, there are no anonymous good things. There are no anonymous blessings. If you see anything in the world, if you experience anything that is good, anything that is lovely or or pleasing or beautiful or true, anything that is good in, in this world, it has come from God. Everything good comes from God, and apart from God, you will experience no good thing. Every good thing comes from him. What the scripture is saying is that God is that ultimate source, that ultimate source. He is the source of every good thing, every beautiful desire, every pure need that you have in your life. You've got to understand that good thing that you're hungry for, you find it in the Lord. It comes from him. He is that ultimate source. We sing, we dream about somebody or something that could be our everything to satisfy all of our needs and desires. Honestly, a lot of people seem to think that their spouse or, 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 or some lover, if I can just find a girl or, or if I can just find a man, then he'll be my source of, of everything. A lot of people in our culture sort of assume that if you have somebody to love, that that person will be your everything, that they will satisfy all of your needs and desires. Is that true? Your wife's sitting next to you and you're afraid to say it. Let me answer for you. It's not true. It is not true. There is no person, no human being that can fill you up. There is no wife on earth, no husband in the world, no group of friends. Nobody can satisfy you like the Lord is going to satisfy you. He is the source of every good thing. It all comes from him. That's why it's frustrating sometimes to hear people say that that they don't see God in the world or they don't experience God. Are, Are you kidding me? Every good thing comes from him. Everything good comes from him. And that means if there is anything in the world, anything to want or anything to satisfy, it comes from him. It always comes from him. I don't know how many of you actually come from somewhere else. I don't really know what it is like in Perry, Oklahoma, but I know Woodburn, Kentucky pretty well. I know all about Woodburn, and I can tell you one thing, there ain't nothing here. There's nothing here. I, I, I grew up in, in Woodburn. There's nothing here. I, I grew up in the day when we really would only go to town. And going to town usually meant Franklin, sometimes Bowling Green. But Bowling Green was really going somewhere. Franklin was just going to town. And you went to town to get stuff. Because there's no stuff in Woodburn. 
Now, we do have a Dollar General store now. Baby, we are on the map, but that's a different story. Growing up, there was nothing here. N- nothing. We used to go to Franklin, Franklin, Kentucky. Y'all know about that place? Oh, when I was a kid, it was a magical place with, with McDonald's. McDonald's and Sonic and, and, and Piggly Wiggly, do you understand? And the Frosty Freeze and, and, and Walmart and swimming pools and movie stars, do you understand? Franklin, Kentucky had everything in, in my mind. Oh, man, I, I remember once we, we were going to go to town, and we were going to go, uh, in the old days at Franklin, you'd literally shop on the square. Does anybody remember that? And there was, they called it, used to call it a dime store. Well, what was that called? Coons. Coons. Coons Dime Store. I, I remember that. It was a really big deal. And I think my mother gave me like 50 cents to buy something. Now, I know for kids these days, you're thinking, my, my goodness, you know, Papa, hush up. Uh, I, I'm telling you, in those days, to go to town and get something was a really pretty big deal. But I was in a rut. I would always go to the dime store, and if I could buy something, I bought bubbles. You know, the, the little jar of bubble stuff, which I guess we could have made ourselves, but, but I just thought that was amazing stuff, magical stuff. I always bought bubbles. But this day my mom says, why are you getting bubbles? You always get bubbles. We can make soap at home. Why don't you get something else? So I bought something else. I bought this top with the string. You pull the string and it would spin. All of a sudden I felt like Little House on the Prairie. It was this, it was this top and you pulled it and it didn't work. I went home on the carport and I pulled the string and pulled the string. And I'm thinking, oh, I'll never get back to town. I'm stuck with this top that doesn't work. I'll never, ever have anything else. It was that feeling. We lived so far from where everything was. The Frosty Freeze. In Franklin, if you ever go by the Frosty Freeze, there are houses all around the Frosty Freeze. And I used to drive past those houses and think, oh, what would it be like to live in a house next to the Frosty Freeze? (laughs) I, I mean, can you dream the dream with me? To live in a house next to the Frosty Freeze. You understand? You could walk out your door and have a corn dog, baby. Have a corn dog hot out of the grease right there beside your house. Have a brown derby right there to live next to where they make the tater tots, the baby burgers. I used to think, oh, what would it be like to live right there? So close to everything that you want, so close, everything that you desire to be available, ready and available. And this is what the psalmist says that he has in the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is what the psalmist says that we have in the Lord. He is the source of every good thing. Everything that your soul desires, and I mean everything, all that you need and all that you want, God is the source of that. And so what the scripture promises is that when you learn to love him, when you learn to unite your life with his, and when you learn to live near God, to live in his presence, you are living at the source. You are living at the source of everything your soul was created to want or desire. Do you want to know about satisfaction, about ultimate satisfaction? It's found in the Lord. He alone is the source of everything that you want, everything good. 
Don't you understand? You woke up this morning with breath in your lungs. It, it came from him. You had some sort of breakfast this morning at orange juice. It was so good. I had a, a one cup bowl of cereal. It, it was so good. My son in the other room, my wife in bed with me, it was all so good. It's all so good. The rain falling in Woodburn today, it's beautiful. It's good. Life is so good, and it is so beautiful, and everything good and beautiful comes from him. He's the source. You live near him, you have satisfaction, deep, lasting satisfaction. So look at verse 4. This is the puzzle. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. Now, if everything I've just said, if everything that the Scripture says here about God is true, if God is absolutely the source of every good thing, then tell me, why would anybody chase after another god? If God alone, and I'm telling you, God alone is the only source of good things, why would anybody chase after other gods? For the simple reason that they're going to look for another source. We're stubborn people. We are stupid people. And we insist on looking for another source. We want all of the good things that, 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 is, that are a part of living in God's creation. We want all these good things, but we want them apart from God. We want to enjoy satisfaction. We just don't want God all up in our lives. And that is why we often go looking for another source. We chase after other gods. Now, we probably wouldn't call it that these days. We wouldn't say that we're chasing after other gods. What we're looking for are other sources of satisfaction. What we're looking for uh, another way to find the blessings that only God gives. And understand, when you're doing that in one way or the other, you're, you're chasing after other gods. We do that. The, the gods we chase aren't exactly like the pagan gods that the psalmist would have known. We chase after little gods. Little gods like, like happiness. I remind you, every good thing comes from God and we associate happiness with good things. So we try to pursue happiness outside of pursuit of God. And I'm telling you, it's a dead end. You will never find the happiness you seek when all you seek is happiness. Happiness is a byproduct of a life lived connected to the source. You understand? If you seek happiness, you'll never have happiness. The, the day I'm preaching to today, it, it's right after the royal wedding. I'm so glad it's over. And apparently, it's still not over. This morning on Good Morning America, they're still looking at the hats. Okay, I was done looking at the hats the first time I saw the hats. Those hats are crazy. They're dumb. This looks like Dr. Seuss, you understand? I, I don't understand why we're still look, looking at, at hats, but, but I digress. At the royal wedding, they say, Kate Middleton was stepping into the state carriage. How many of you saw that moment? It's okay. It, it, it's okay. Any of you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning? It's okay. I know you did because I read your Facebook page. I know you did. I know what time you logged on. Yeah. So a lot of women got up at 4 o'clock in the morning to watch that wedding. Somebody explain that to me after the day is over. My wife didn't get up early, but when she got up, it went on. The TV went on. So Casey's sort of sitting out there on the couch watching this go on, and honestly, nothing's happening. Just nothing. 
So she's sitting there watching, watching this, and, and, uh, and her prince comes walking out of the bedroom. That would be me. I come walking out of the bedroom, you know, with my royal boxers on, and I'm coming out of bed. Um, I have a particular kind of bed head in the morning. All of my hair grows together in one direction. So in the morning, I have this pointed head, kind of like a candy corn. I have this point where all my hair goes up, and, and I'd had onion dip the night before, so horrible breath. So I come staggering out saying, you know, how's the wedding going? What's going on? And Casey just looks at me like she could jump off a cliff. <laughs> so I said, what's going on? What are they doing? Casey said, they're waiting to kiss. Well, gosh, I, th I thought you did that at the wedding. I said, why are, they, uh, why are they waiting? What are they waiting for? She said they're waiting to be on the royal balcony. That They only kiss. Y'all know this? They only kiss on the royal balcony. I said, what are they waiting for? They're waiting for the royal balcony. So I said, well, honey, what are we waiting for? And, and, and I kind of I puckered, you know. And once more, Casey looked at me and she said, same thing. I don't really know what that means. There is no royal balcony in our future. Maybe that's what she's telling me. <laughs> they say that in the moment when Kate Middleton stepped into the state carriage, and, and it was a beautiful moment, that you could see her say the words, I'm so happy. Did you hear that? I'm so happy. Yeah. And every woman in the world apparently was, was happy with her. I've asked people why it's so beautiful, why that moment's so important, and people will continue to say, well, it's a real-life fairy tale. That They like watching that and seeing this young girl be so happy because it's a real-life fairy tale. You understand real-life fairy tale? These don't go together. There's no fairy tale there. There really isn't. If you think that she's going to find happiness because she's going to live a life surrounded by wealth and, and royalty, if you really think those people are happy, you haven't looked at the queen. Is that woman happy? <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. Have you seen the queen mother? Apparently not happy. If she's happy, her face does not know. I'm not sure that being royalty brings you any kind of happiness. I'm also pretty sure that marriage in itself doesn't bring any kind of happiness because sooner or later, every prince comes staggering out of the bedroom in his boxers and his bedhead. I'm telling you, we all know what real life is, and it's not a fairy tale. It's not a fairy tale. And if what it takes to make Kate Middleton happy is to step into a state coach every single day of her life with the whole world looking at her, I'm telling you, she has a life of unhappiness ahead of her. Because every day is not like that. If you think you're going to chase after the little God of happiness, you're going to be very, very, very disappointed. Troubles will multiply for you, the scripture says. We chase happiness. We want happiness. We just want it apart from all the good things that God gives. And I'm telling you, he alone is the source. You won't find it apart from him. In our day and age, people want entertainment. That They want thrills. We just always want somehow to have adrenaline pumping. It's not possible. Do you understand? There's nothing in the world that can sustain that for you. When I was a kid, we used to have Easter egg hunts at my, at my grandmother's house. Now, when I say Easter egg hunt, we hid eggs, real eggs, chicken eggs, hard-boiled eggs. 
And we might have a few of those horrible marshmallow eggs. They're horrible. Those are not edible. But we might have a few of those and eggs that we would die ourselves. Y'all remember this, anybody? And so we would hide those eggs. And at my grandmother's house, we also would hide one prize egg. And the prize egg would have probably some money and, and maybe some real candy in it. But that was the prize egg, and there was one. So me and all of my cousins out there hunting eggs, nobody really wants the, the awful hard-boiled things. We sometimes would try to eat them. When you would take the shell off, the egg would be the color that you had dyed it. You would eat Easter eggs on Sunday and then have salmonella on Monday, but we thought that was part of it. One prize egg, though. This is what I want you to understand. One prize egg. The Easter egg hunts we have now for our kids... They're all prize eggs. Do you understand? They're all prize eggs. All the eggs have money. All the eggs have real candy. You wouldn't think of putting a hard-boiled egg out there and going, Happy Easter, baby. Happy Easter. You wouldn't. Because, because in our day, in our culture, we always have to increase it. We have to make it somehow more exciting. We have to hide something better. By the time I have grandchildren, we'll be hiding gold bars. We'll be hiding Corvettes behind the bushes because that's the way it works. We have to continue to turn it up. We have to, we have to continue to make it sweeter, to make it better, to make it more exciting. There is nothing in the world that can always be more exciting, sweeter, a, a bigger thrill. You cannot keep the adrenaline pumping forever. That's not how life is, but it's how you're wired. It's what you want. And that is why if you think that you're going to chase after the little God of excitement, if you think that you're going to chase after thrills and pleasure, and somehow always find every single day a new pleasure and a new intensity, your life is going to be so disappointing. The psalmist says that for you, troubles will multiply. What's that mean? That means if you chase after other gods, if you try to find happiness or excitement or peace, if you look for these things, but you look for them apart from God, you're going to live a particular kind of life. The psalmist says troubles multiply. I would call it the life, the, the, the whack-a-mole life. You ever played whack-a-mole it's that game where you have all these holes and you have one big mallet and a mole will stick his head up here and you're supposed to whack him. Yeah, but as soon as you whack this mole, what happens? Another mole pops up and you whack that mole and that's the whole game. And why you pay money to do that, I don't understand. But it's whack-a-mole and every time you go, another mole pops up and you can never whack the mole because by the time you've whacked this mole, there's another mole here and that's your life. For some of you, honestly, that's your whole life. It's whack-a-mole. It's one problem after another. It's one disappointment, one heartbreak after another. This is the way you live your life. Troubles multiply. And you want to know why? It's because you're chasing after something else that's not God. You're chasing after some other God. You're looking for another source of all of the things that you will only find in Christ. He alone is the source. You will not find good things apart from him. 
One more thing, verse 6, look with me. This is a beautiful verse, and it's not very well or, or easy to translate. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. Uh, that, that's what it says. But, but, but what the psalmist says there is, is different. He says, the boundary lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. The, the boundary lines. It, it's the picture of the children of Israel going into the promised land when the promised land was divided up and the boundary lines would fall and you would go and you would take that part of the land that was assigned to you. You didn't have a lot of choice in the matter. Those, those lines were drawn and then you were given your part. So the psalmist is using that idea, the, the idea of land being divided up, and, and then you're assigned a, a place. And he says that for me, the boundary lines have all fallen in pleasant places. Now, I think there's something beautiful about that. And honestly, I, I think there's something here that is key to your life. The boundary lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. What are boundaries? Boundaries are, are limitations, honestly. They're limitations. And our life is like this. God creates us, but he doesn't create us in such a way where everything is possible for us. Now, I know when you're a baby, your mama pulled you up and said, baby, you can be anything you want to be. Well, that's not exactly true. It's just not exactly true. You are limited, you are created to be the person you are, and God made you in a particular way, and you have limitations. Not everything is possible for you. Not everything is doable for you. And the same is true for me. I can't be anybody other than the person that I am, and I'm not like you. And sometimes I look at other people, and I envy what God has given them. I, I envy the way the boundary lines fell for them. I look at others, and I wish I could live their life, but, but I can't. I can't. I've been given my life. I've been given a certain space. The boundary lines have fallen for me, and I have limitations. It's not just the natural limitations of being born who I am or being born in, in, in this body. It's also the, the moral limitations, the commandments that God offers. It's not just that I can't do everything that I, that I could dream of doing, I can't say everything that I would want to say. I, I'm not allowed to think everything that I could possibly think. I, I'm not allowed to eat everything that I could possibly eat. I have limits. God creates us in such a way where we have this space, these boundaries laid out. We have freedom, but within limitations. And the psalmist says the most amazing thing. He says that the boundaries for my life have fallen in very, very pleasant places. I call that satisfaction. I would call that satisfaction. Simply to find contentment within the limits of your own life. Simply to find contentment within the boundaries that God has drawn out for you. It's, it's called satisfaction and you can have it. You, you really can have it. But it's not exactly as the world talks of satisfaction. When the world says satisfaction, what they mean is stuff. When the world talks of satisfaction, they don't mean anything permanent or deep. It's always going to be temporary. When God says satisfaction, he means satisfaction. But understand, th that means that 
that in my heart that the desires and needs that I have, I, I do have a desire for, for excitement. I do love to have adrenaline pumping. And, and as, as, as members of a church with me, y'all understand that sometimes. I like energy. I, I like things to move. I like things to, to happen. And, and my desire sometimes is to have that adrenaline pumping all of the time. But I don't really need that. I do not need a thrill a minute. I don't need adrenaline pumping. What I need is the Lord. And then he gives me peace in whatever situation I have. Not only that, he makes my life a grand adventure of faith. I don't need adventure. I just need the Lord. The world will tell you that you need pleasure. The world will tell you that as a man, you need multiple sexual partners. They tell us that we're wired for that evolutionary to try and preserve our progeny or whatever they say on the Discovery Channel. Do you understand? I do not need a thousand sexual partners. I don't need multiple women. I need the Lord. And then he gives me eyes for just my wife. Do you understand? It's a contentment within the boundaries. I don't need a billion dollars. I don't need a lot of money. Neither do you. What I need is the Lord. And then he gives me daily bread. Your problem and my problem is that that we're always looking beyond the boundaries. We're always looking past the place that God has given us to live our lives, beyond the limits that God has set around us. We always look past, and we wonder what's on the other side of the boundaries, and we have a tendency to wander past to see if we can't find something that's not available for us in the boundaries that God has drawn out for us. I'm telling you, there's nothing out there that you won't truly find within the boundaries God has set for you. I love the last verse of Psalm 16. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Fullness. I'm telling you that anywhere else you go outside of the Lord, there's emptiness. But in your presence, O Lord, there is is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I understand full well why in the world people feel like there is no satisfaction. Because there is no satisfaction to be found in the world. The satisfaction that you crave is going to be found within certain boundaries. The boundaries of life that God has laid out for you. The fulfillment that you crave, that the ultimate source for your life is the presence of the Lord. You must draw near him. You must learn to draw from the source of every good thing for your life. You must learn to stop looking out past the boundaries. Because only in his presence will you find fullness of joy. Pray with me. Pray with me. God, some of us literally are tired of the whack-a-mole existence that we have. God, we walk out of church and it starts, Lord, even Sunday afternoon becomes one more treadmill, Lord, where we exert all of this energy and get nowhere. Problems arise every single day, Lord. Uh, Troubles multiply. Lord, help us to realize why. 
Help us to understand, Lord, why our lives are so empty and hungry and we have so little satisfaction. Lord, I pray that you would bring us back, all of us, Lord, back closer to you. Let us live our lives in your presence, drawing from you, oh God, the source of everything that our souls are hungry for. Oh God, we're surrounded by good things. We just simply forget where all the good things come from. Oh Lord, help us. Help us to relocate our lives, Lord, to relocate our souls so that we find ourselves always near you, always in your presence, always satisfied and full of joy. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would break hearts wide open this morning, that you would, Lord, help us to understand what it is we're hungry for, what it is we're looking for. Help us to find it today, Lord, in you. In this moment, in this place, in you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.